Welcome to podcast number six on El Police Radio. I'm your host, Alpha Mike, on another enjoyable podcast. Running solo today, my co-host, Mike Sierra, is on special assignment out with the uh, Wounded Warriors Project. And um, it has great benefit to a lot of veterans. And, of course, we'll be discussing uh, his uh, adventures over there at the Wounded Warriors Project on Leatherneck 7. And I encourage you to tune into leatherneck7.com, listen to the broadcast, subscribe, enlist, become part of that great podcast. On today's show, we have my guest is Karis Sepulivia. I probably killed his first and last name, and I apologize. I've been known to murder a name uh, once or twice. Firearms instructor based out of New Jersey, and he's going to come on and talk about his credentials with the NRA and law enforcement firearms instructor and uh, range master and so forth. And we had planned this way in advance, um, and now we see the terrible tragedy that has occurred in Las Vegas. And it just tells us the crazy times that we live in. The state of awareness of an individual has to be so high now, and they really, really, really should be armed. But we're going to get into that and a lot more in in a couple of uh, seconds. Um. You know, when we look at firearms and firearms training, there's so many aspects that you really got to look at. You know, sight picture, sight alignment, uh, the grip, trigger control, and one important one is recoil. And some people like to do recoil like an old Western movie. You know, the old Clint Eastwood Western movie, where when you shoot the first round, the weapon kicks up like eight feet up in the air and then comes back down on target. And sometimes people kind of accentuate that more than they have to. And we're going to, at some other shows, we're going to start looking at the fundamentals of shooting, and, and we'll discuss more about that in other shows. But with our guest and his experience, we can touch on, on a lot of things. But uh, for science, which is a group of scientists that are um, dedicated to the study and science of law enforcement's uh, execution of force, you know, a lot of people have opinions about, did he have to hit him the second time? Did he have to shoot him 13 times? And so forth. Well, this group, what they really do is they look at it scientifically. You know, the normal reaction of the human body when startled by loud noise or danger is to duck down and the hands go up. It's an, it's an instinct that the mind takes over the body and the brain goes into <laughs> survival mode. So 
The people over at Four Signs have, have looked into uh, many aspects, as I said, of use of force for law enforcement officials. And uh, one of them uh, primarily in the area of shootings. Uh, usually officers, according to Four Signs, are shooting between five and eight rounds in an incident. From the first time they shoot their first round, their other rounds that they're shooting afterwards are probably every two seconds. And a lot of that has to do with recoil. Now, when you're recoiling, maybe on a 9 millimeter, you might have 6 pounds of pressure, or on a 45, maybe 10 pounds of pressure. How, of course, you position your body is very important to stop that recoil from occurring so much. The weapon is going to recoil automatically based on the pressure of the round going out. The that recoil is consistent. So, you know, it's not going to blow your head off uh, well, the first time, and then the second one's okay. It's consistent. There's where the science comes in. So knowing that it's consistent and some body positioning movements, hand positioning movements, you can control the recoil but not eliminate it and get you back faster on target. This is so crucial for law enforcement officers today. You know, if you're shooting between five and eight rounds, you want to shoot fast. And your distance is probably within three feet. And the engagement will probably last three to five seconds. Those are all studies that have been done by groups like Force Science that kind of spell out what an officer is going to look like in in the future. So quick exit out of your holster on position, engaging the target, controlling recoil, all these things, all these body mechanisms are very important. And hopefully we can get some of the experience that our guest is coming on. And he is, you know, going to be on our show several times. This is an introduction show, then we're going to have another show where we're going to have for beginners and another one for intermediate and, of course, uh, advanced. And it's up to you, the listener, if you're a concealed weapons permit holder and, of course, you're a proud gun owner, there's a huge responsibility with that. And the biggest responsibility is, do I know how to use this weapon. For example, you know, I've seen situations where off-duty officers um, carrying off-duty went to engage a subject in an armed robbery and had uh, their safety on. So practice, 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 training, 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 will eliminate all these bad habits. So when you got to go for what you know, you're consistent in it. So we'll get more into that as, as we go along. Let's look at uh, some uh, issues that are occurring in our law enforcement news. It's always interesting. I always plug up a story every day 
or at least Monday through Friday, and I take a look at what's going on in the law enforcement world. And uh, let me tell you, the news on the law enforcement end is just as wacky as the regular news you see on TV. Huh? I can't. I can't even begin to tell you some of the crazy stuff. Here's a here's an interesting one. Uh, inmate fired for law librarian can sue for retaliation. Oh have no! We, have we become this freaking chaotic? This ridiculous? An inmate can sue because he's no longer the law libra- librarian in the jail. What? The court has re- reinstated a suit filed by an inmate who lost his job as a law librarian. Allegedly, for helping other inmates conduct legal research, is that 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 leftist twist on the news article? Always got to look for the leftist twist. Federal appeals court has restrained, reinstated a lawsuit filed by an inmate who lost his job at the Pennsylvania County Jail Law Library, allegedly for helping other inmates conduct legal research. The Alatoon Mirror reports Monday that the third U.S. Court, Circuit Court of Appeals has reinstated Gary Vong Jr.'s lawsuit against Canberra County prison officials and the judge who ordered him, uh, him removed last year. And then it goes on to uh, who this character is, like if I really care and what he did and so forth. <laughs> You know, and I, I believe inmates have a right to legal representation. But if you don't have a bar license to practice law, then I think it's a privilege and not a right. I don't know, I could be off on this because the Third District Court of Appeals is, uh, you know, greater minds have told us what we need to do. Just... That's all. It's just ridiculous sometimes. Moving on to our other, and here's here's a story I really want to cover. And those are in the Las Vegas shooting, the countless uh, firefighters and law enforcement officers to include police and corrections that were at this venue and how they respond, even veterans, you know, they, they were responding. They were helping individuals get out of harm's way. They were transporting people uh, to hospitals, and they were rendering first aid. And if it wasn't for all those heroes, they weren't getting a paycheck to do it. They were doing it because that's what they're trained to do. And regardless of their circumstances, they responded. And I'm sure a lot of them had to safeguard their own situation. Maybe they were there with their family or or so forth, and they had to secure them before they can go and help and assist and rescue others. But every time I see these stories, um, they they tell me how it's... It's embedded in law enforcement from the time you go to the academy. We don't run from the problem. We run towards the problem. So uh, this story comes from a uh, country country music star that was playing and uh, basically says, country music star handed his gun 
to an off-duty cop in need during the mass shooting Sunday in Las Vegas. According to Fox News, John Rich of Big and Rich had just finished performing at Route 91 Harvest Festival and was at the bar on the strip when word got out about the inactive shooting. A Minneapolis police officer, off-duty, hanging out there, uh, asked the singer, uh, showed him his badge and his credentials and asked him, are you armed? Knowing that he might have been a, a native of Nevada and Las Vegas. And he said, yes, I'm a concealed weapons permit. And he said, well, I'm an off-duty officer. Can I borrow your weapon so I can guard the perimeter of this door in case the active shooter comes this way? And of course, he did give his weapon to that officer that took point. It's amazing. You know, you, he could have ran off like everybody else. Nobody would have known who, who he was. But he chose to take a point over the citizen. These are the stories of American heroes. I love these. I love these stories. So kudos go out to that individual. And here's another controversial uh, story. And... You know, you have people have different opinions, and, and, and the greatness of our country is that you're allowed the right to have an opinion. You're allowed to exercise your rights in voicing that opinion as long as it's not offensive to others. No. Of course. So, this individual has a stance against weapons, and what's most shockingly is that this individual is a police officer and a chief of police. But at the same time, I have great respect for this individual because he's a personal friend of mine. And when I read the story, I kind of understand why he would think this way. I disagree with it, but I respect him as an individual. I highly respect him as a law enforcement official. I have even in the past taken a course that he gave on leadership in law enforcement. Very well done, by the way. And so when I read it, you know, you have a choice in life to either keep your mouth shut or stand up for your positions. He's standing up for his. I necessarily don't agree with it, but I'm not going to dish him and disrespect him either. But Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo said, interaction... Inaction on gun control has failed thousands of families, and he's urging people to take a stand against gun violence following the mass shooting in Las Vegas a week ago. Uh, he tweeted, when will we stand up and say enough? On this Sabbath Sunday, I can say I have spoken out against violence. Can you? If not, then when? And of course, it's been highlighted now and a lot of people looking at what art has said and people have different twists again i am not an advocate of gun control i believe uh, citizens should be armed and to protect themselves and to protect others now the argument can be well you got a guy shooting on a 32nd floor of a hotel with a rifle, how can I defend myself with a handgun? Well, you can't. That's ludicrous. 
But what if? There's a lot of what ifs in life. And looking at that off-duty police officer that he took the citizen's gun and he took point on the entry door of a bar that was in that venue in case the active shooter, because they did not know at the time that it was on the 32nd floor. They just knew they had an active shooter situation. He took point as if he entered, he would take him out. So the what if, now I walk around with a long gun too, right? That would have been nice, wouldn't that? 50, 60, 100 people with long guns in the concert, you get shot out of the 32nd floor and you return fire. Wouldn't that be fun? But that's not what's going on in America. Long guns now have become a debate. And of course, if we listen to the idiots in the media, now let me just get off subject for one second. The knuckleheads in the media, that the only thing they could do is read a teleprompter, are all of a sudden experts. They're experts on war. They're experts on economy. They're experts on political uh, issues. And now I was shocked to learn that our friends in the media are also experts when when it comes to firearms, guns, rifles, bullet cases, projectiles, all this. I didn't know. They were this freaking talented. But there they are. They can't even mention the correct name of a rifle. You know, that uh, you, you, you hear this balloon, the attack rifle and all this. You know, listen, I, I hear them. I get sick to my stomach. I just feel like walking away because I don't want to hear your opinion. I want you to report what occurred. And eventually, obviously, the media has gotten away from reporting what is occurring. And I've got some kid uh, that has absolutely no experience in anything telling me his opinion. How many millions of people have to sit here and listen to this buffoon tell me his opinion? I don't want to hear your opinion. I want to know what happened. I got my own opinion. I don't need yours. I got my own. But anyway, getting off the subject. I had a little, I had a moment and I had to get it out. <laughs> um, we listen to these fools and they're telling us about uh, what they hear, what they don't hear, and, 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 and how we could have done a better job in protecting all these people and blah, blah, blah. This has come from a person sitting in the studio. All right, but I don't want to get off subject. Back to firearms, it's important. I'm not of the position of Art Acevedo, chief of the Houston Police Department, which is a friend of mine, and I respect him highly, as I said. But I believe in the Second Amendment. If you're a law-abiding citizen, you should have the right to be armed. You know, it always took me back why Congress passed the law where law enforcement officials, police law enforcement officials, did not extend over to the correctional family. Don't understand that. But they can go to all 50 states armed. Why did the, why did the government do that? Maybe they knew something we didn't know at the time. So I believe if you're an armed citizen, you need to be trained in that firearm, proficient in it, No your rights as 
to when to use it and when not to use it. And unfortunately, because of the times that we live in, you need to be insured. Nothing but silence. You need to be insured if you're going to carry off duty because the knuckleheads are out there. You know, you know how it works. So I believe in the Second Amendment and I, I believe that it will deter more things and it is important. You know, when you say gun restrictions, well, criminals don't sign up for that. They're not going to turn their weapons in massively and say, well, since you passed the law, I got to turn in my illegal weapon. So I don't see the sense in having criminals armed and citizens unarmed. And we know historically what has ever what has happened when citizens have unarmed. So I've bored you enough on this subject, but I can tell you I'm I'm, I'm passionate about our show today on firearms. And really, without any further ado, I want to bring on my guest. And he's going to explain firearms to us. He's going to introduce himself, and I'm looking forward to it. Let's bring him on. Now, we're going to go ahead with our guest, and we're going to bring on the Fantastic Five. If you're a listener of the podcast, you know what the Fantastic Five are. Five rapid questions. High speed. Yes, sir. And whatever comes off the top of his head. Here we go. Question number one. Favorite movie? Saving Private Ryan. That was interesting. Okay. Yeah, I love that movie. Here we go. Favorite Musical band. Favorite musical band. Disturbed. What? Okay. I, I, I might have to look it up, but okay. It's not on you. It's not a reflection on me. I, you know, I, I, I don't really listen to that much music, so. But okay. Uh, <laughs> got that one. Okay. Favorite superhero. The Hulk. <laughs> and I'm a superhero geek. There you go. I'm superheroes. <laughs> All right. Like my my co-host loves to ask this question: If you could fight any animal, what animal would it be? If I can fight any animal, what animal would it be? Wow. I'd have to say I don't know. Uh, alligator. Okay. Interesting. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a, a cage match on the floor somewhere, but it's interesting. <laughs> All right, and here we go. Since we're dealing with the topic of firearms, last question. Favorite firearm? Springfield XT. There you go. And there you have it, folks. I love that gun. The Fantastic <laughs> Five. And he loves that gun. And, and when you yes. that gun and you train with that gun and you move with that gun and you do everything with that gun, that gun becomes an extension of you. And I want to welcome our guest here today. Welcome. Thank you, Al. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. 
it is an honor to have you here today, and um, especially with with your background. And I know you have a, a large uh, certification pool, but one area in specific is firearms. And as you know, in these era of these days now, and and even the situation that just recently occurred in Las Vegas, I'm sure a yes. lot of people are going to be tuned in to what we have to say. Yes. Very tragic, very sad situation, yes. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, before we start, tell our audience a little bit, you know, short bio of who you are. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, my name's Kara Sepulveda. I'm, I'm actually president of Sepulveda Incorporated Firearms Training. I'm based out of New Jersey. I'm a retired range master training sergeant in the New Jersey Division of Parole. I used to qualify over 400 officers like twice a year and was in charge of all their in-service training, like domestic violence, use of force, defensive tactics, um, so on and so forth. And I was also a bilingual probation officer in Newark, New Jersey. And um, I retired back in 2012. And now with the business that I have, I'm an NRA training counselor. So not only can I teach NRA courses, but I can certify new instructors in them. I'm also an NRA law enforcement instructor. I do handcuffing, baton, pepper spray, things like that. I'm also a member of ILFE, which is the International Association of Law Enforcement Firearms Instructors. And I was honored to be a guest instructor for them back in 2013 in Mobile, Alabama, which is great. Um, I'm also a member of ACES. Oh, it's great. ACES International, ASIS, which stands for the American Society for Industrial Security. Uh, Phenomenal organization for resources of individuals working in the security field. And um, I'm also in the what's called the NJLPIA, which is the New Jersey Licensed Private Investigators Association. Because like I, I, I'm a private investigator in New Jersey as well. Well, you have a, an awesome background, without a doubt. Thank you. And uh, just by listening to you, I know that you keep busy. You're up to date on everything because when you have all these certificates, you got to keep everything up to date. And that's really yes, important. everything has to be current. You're so you're so correct. Yes, uh, exactly. Now, uh, as an instructor, how long have you been a firearms instructor? Approximately uh, 21 years. Uh, before I became a law enforcement officer, a parole officer, I became an NRA instructor in 1996. And then um, subsequently in May of 2002, I became a parole officer in 1997. In May of 2002, I became one of the, uh, the uh, agency's firearms instructors. Um, then in March of 2005, I became the supervising firearms instructor for New Jersey Parole. And subsequently in 2006, April, I became an NRA law enforcement instructor. And finally, April 2009, I became the range master for my department as well as an NRA training counselor. So the, the, real quick, the difference between the uh, in New Jersey, I'm not sure how other departments work, but in New Jersey, um, you have a supervising firearms instructor, which is an individual that's in charge of all the, all the firearms training. But... The range master, uh, you have to get that title in order to actually run run a, uh, a police academy uh, and uh, recruit training. So I did. That's when I became range master was in April of two thousand nine. Okay, so uh, I mean, you have all these certs, and between instructor, firearm instructor to firearm instructor, because that's my background as well. You must have been Excellent. a dream when you went into the academy as as a recruit. Your firearms instructor must have loved you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, I, but luckily, you know, I always have the attitude 
uh, in order to be a great teacher, you have to be a great student. Yes. Uh, so um, I always am. I, I'm always humble. I'm always learning because you'd be surprised how much I learn from students. Still to this day, I, it's amazing. It, it, that's why I love. I love doing what I do also because uh, I love to learn new things too. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you always have to remain humble, and I love that point that you brought up. And as well, you as for us as instructors, we learn. We learn on an everyday. Absolutely. Perfect answer, but we can all learn from each other. Absolutely. That's so integral in any training. And that's why I, 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 I go for training also, and I train, and I'm always trying to get new ideas and new concepts because, like you mentioned before, we have to be trying. Things change. Tactics change. Philosophies change. Um, technology changes. And we have to, we have to adapt um, so we can help others uh, go, go with the changes as well. And now on that subject of adapting, obviously the horrific uh, incident that occurred in Las Vegas, this has really changed uh, the firearms training industry now. And uh, what kind of classes are you currently teaching and what do you see that you may be teaching in the future? Um, some, I teach, like I said, NRA, and I also teach non-NRA courses or courses that I've created because of my experiences and background. Um, but I definitely, I'm seeing a need and a request for concealed carry classes. Um, they, they run the gambit from either the NRA defensive pistol, which is one of the courses that's really popular, or uh, my own uh Tactical handgun is a course that I created, uh, so, but that tends to be something that, aside from being popular, I think it's a necessity, especially for those individuals, uh, whether you carry or allow you to carry. Now, what I also do is, um, because a lot of, in, uh, especially law enforcement, I created a class um, for the, it's called the Off-Duty Law Enforcement Officer class. That I, I, that's what I taught at ILFE, and I still teach at the, one of the police academies in the state. And I also address that issue um, for the officers off-duty when something kicks off and, and, and what to do. Uh, so that's definitely one. Um, and any, uh, any type of training, and I definitely want to elaborate on that later, uh, that involves uh, moving and shooting and adapting because it's, uh, not only do you have to um, work on your marksmanship skills, mm-hmm. but you also have to work on your cognitive abilities and your situational awareness. Uh, so it's a whole gambit of, of training that I teach. Uh, um, that that cause it, it's a lot of facets involved, especially with the dynamics of, of, of the confrontations of the, of the incidents that are occurring nationwide. Now, I definitely understand what you're saying about the, there's a lot of aspects to the firearms training, but let's break it down a little bit uh, a more sure. at the basic level, and that is the concealed weapons applicant. Yes. And yes. Who who basically are they? Male, female? Do you think that they're actually that they're both? They're, they're both. I've noticed that the male, female, and especially individuals that travel because there are certain permits that have reciprocity with other states. Right. So, um, and so, so some people in, in my area they want the Utah, they want the Florida, they want the. Uh, uh, so those are some of the ones that that are that are common because people travel. So. 
and, and one of the things that, that I have to definitely stress that with concealed carry, it's a crucial thing because that way I think we can protect ourselves while we're traveling. But I always have to remind the individuals of whatever state, whatever state they live at, uh, they have to, uh, sorry, they have to understand the laws of the states they're going to also. Right. Um, so, yes, no, definitely. But some of the things that we, I like to go over, aside from the laws, is um, the techniques of concealed carry. Mm-hmm. Um, on what the laws of certain states are, how to acquire a firearm from concealment, because for individuals, and when that's a new concept, um, it's it's a little different than shooting a, a stagnant target on a piece of paper. Right. And, 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 and that's a transition period, and that's why I like to start them off slowly, especially if they're new at it, because it's a huge transition from your typical, quote-unquote, range shooting, downrange shooting, from your 360 environment, from a holster, in, uh, from a concealed, from concealment. So, uh, and, and moving. Also, I like to, uh, you have to incorporate moving and shooting because when firearms go off, no one's going to be standing still. Correct. And, and we're, we're so used to a stagnant shooting environment for your typical everyday or every weekend shooter that it, it's a necessity to, to, to transition your thought processes to that in a 360 environment. Now, usually when... I'm assuming in your case, yes. when you're training yes. a civilian in concealed weapons and they're kind of novices when it comes to firearms, yes. you're teaching at that basic level, which yes, that has, of course, firearms training might say, well, you know, I already know this. So you've got to turn up and down the volume. To, to Exactly. Exactly. Sure. Like um, we break down the, uh, for example, even the, the, the direct matter of unholstering and, and returning the firearm to the holster, it's, it's broken down at first to almost a, a, a smooth cadence. So, so that way the individual that's just learning that idea, how to draw from concealment, how to reholster or holster that firearm again, it's broken down to a, 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 a real easy to remember cadence. This way, the faster they get, the slowest move, smooth is fast kind of idea. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they slowly adapt to that cadence, finger off the trigger while they're, you know, unholstering the firearm, finger off the trigger when they're reholstering the firearm. And if the firearm's discharged uh, during the course of fire, uh, making sure they look left and right because so many people on the range are so used to know your, your normal quote-unquote range habits. They fire down range and they put the gun down on the bench or they just holster it without looking around. So little things that we build upon slowly, the 360 scan, making sure that if your farm's discharged or your farm's out, that there are no other perpetrators or no other threats. Um, look, making sure that your clothing is clear, they have a proper grip on the weapon before you holster, finger off the trigger, no clothing in the holster. Things like that, we, I try to break it down slowly because, like you said, for the novice shooter, it's a whole new world. It's, it, it's a whole new dynamic um, that, 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 that augments your typical range safety, you know, um, and they have to understand what the, the uh, downrange mentality is different, you know, and uh, um, one of the, yeah, and one of the things I teach also, it's like be aware of your threat and what your target wants beyond, and that every, you know, that, and the individuals have to realize that, that, that it's, a, it's a huge liability and training is essential. Training is essential. Training is essential without a doubt. So we, we go to the, what we were just talking about now, the basic entry level, let's say, concealed weapon. And now we're going to go and, and kind of look at something a little bit more um, 
more advanced or, or you have to sure. dedicate a little bit more training to in the current conditions that this country is in. And, you know, we can just point at Las Vegas. Um, yes. It's hard to yes. defend against something like that incident. Uh, but let's say a terror attack and somebody has a weapon, it could be any type of weapon, that training now is going to be a lot more advanced, correct? Yes, correct. Correct. Um, like, for example, uh, one of the trainings that I do is from shooting under stress from concealment. Because once the student learns how to draw firearm from concealment, doing a 360 scan, making sure there are no threats, holstering the firearm again, once they understand that cadence efficiently in a, not in a non-stressful environment, then what I think is important is inducing some kind of stress to that. Initially, it could be just a timer. Um, having them, once they understand and do uh, and perform that function, that movement uh, methodically, uh, almost like a reflex, speed them up a bit, maybe using a timer. Uh, sometimes also you can use um, uh, verbal commands or even uh, distraction techniques. Um, someone screaming at their ear uh, very loudly and trying to distract them and then having them do the drill. So that's the first step. Once they learn how to draw from concealment, one of the first steps I do, and that's regardless whether it's a civilian law enforcement, there's a lot of law enforcement officers take my classes too, uh, how to do that under stress, under a, a million distractions, but making, but staying focused. So that's my opinion, the next step. That's what I do. That's what I do for my, for, for the individuals that are just learning how to, or, or, or I should say, have just learned the basics, but want to go on the more advanced level. Now, you, you came up with a great uh, concept in, in, in your explanation. We're now going to shoot and kind of like move. Now, that right. course is not in the basic, really. You're just shooting at a target. Exactly. The difference between shooting at a target and being, let's say, on a timer, moving, it's achievable, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Sure, sure. You have to mesh those things because it, it's, it's in layers. Um, because once you understand how effectively, how to draw from concealment and holstering, um, now the student has to remember, wait a second, this is not a perfect world. Um, and I remind them, if you have to draw your firearm, there's a problem. There's a serious problem. So let's move from the basic mechanics of it to now the oh crap factor, you know, uh, where, where there's a problem I must, you know, rectify or deal with this problem. And that's the first step, in my opinion, um, is adding stress. Uh, to that drill, yes, uh, that, that you know, and 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 that's the first step in in in, what I, um, in that training when it comes to the more advanced training from drawing from concealment for the conceal uh, carry a holder. Now, the reason I ask that question is there's a lot of people out there getting concealed weapon permits. They feel the need that they have to get a weapon, but they're intimidated yes. by a weapon. Um, yes. They're intimidated yes. with going to a range. They're intimidated with the instruction. What right. do you tell them to kind of like calm them down and tell them okay. that this is achievable? Sure, sure. Um, do their homework when it comes to finding training. 
Um, uh, make sure the, uh, uh, it's a good range and have excellent instructors. Uh, see if, uh, but in a nutshell, they have to realize that um, it's about the individual. It's about saving their own life. So uh, don't negate the, the actual potential of, of being stressed out. You know, it's, it's important for the instructor to convey um, that, that the training is essential for self-defense, but the student looking for instructors has to realize that this is for their own benefit. Don't stress out. Uh, this is actually for your own benefit and just do your homework and learn and learn, constantly learn from different instructors. Take as many uh, training courses as feasible. Um, some person, uh, individual might like one instructor more than others, and that's fine. Uh, that happens with any type of instruction. Uh, they might adhere to more instructor, one instructor more than the other. A lot of ranges offer different levels of training. But it's almost like finding a martial arts school. It's a, you, you find try them until you're comfortable with what, you, uh, what you're looking for. So my, my, my lesson is be patient, but do your homework and, and investigate the different schools. Now, let's say I'm, I'm listening to you and in, in this interview, and I'm kind of new into firearms training. I've got my concealed weapons. What should I, as the listener, concentrate in my firearms training as a beginner? As a beginner, I wholeheartedly recommend starting from, even if you have an average concept of firearms, I'm all about being efficient, but I'm all about starting from scratch. Um, if, I, if, if you are relatively new or have some experience with firearms and your intention is for a concealed carry, I, I'm all about starting from the beginning. Take the NRA basic pistol course or some an equivalent. If a range officer, a, a, a handgun training that's similar. So any type of initial training first. Uh, almost if you're new to it, then it's great. If it's a refresher, then that's fine. No, no harm, no foul. As a refresher for your basics. Once you take the basics, because sometimes you might even have bad habits that you don't know yet. Right. Because you haven't had any formal instruction. So I recommend starting from the basics. So NRA basic pistol or an equivalent, depending on where you are. And then... Um, the next level would be drawing from concealment, uh, which is uh, an NRA defensive pistol class or an equivalent, depending on where you're at. And you take it from there. But I, I would definitely agree with starting from the basics, regardless of your experience level. Now, let's say I'm in the tri-state area of New Jersey. and I Yes, yeah, that's why I train, yes. I want to definitely get involved in firearms training, and I want to look you up. How do I look you up? Me? Okay. Um, my website is www.sepulvedainc, that's S-E-P-U-L-V-E-D-A-I-N-C, sepulvedainc.com. I'm in the South Jersey area, but I teach all over New Jersey, and I've taught in other states, too. Um, and you can email me. It's my pi.sepulveda, like pi private investigator, pi.sepulveda, which is my last name, S-E-P-U-L-V-E-D-A, at yahoo.com. Now, we're going to go ahead and link a lot of that uh, off our website, so you can go ahead and plug into uh, exactly what he's pointed out. Awesome. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I would love to have you on some more shows. Maybe uh, we, we've looked at the aspect of basic. Maybe we can start looking at uh, intermediate and as far maybe another show with advance uh, because that would be great much confident in his background and his training 
that we have him on this show on El Police Radio and transmit his knowledge. Or like my co-host likes to say, spit that knowledge on me. <laughs> That's Marine. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so I, I look forward to it. I look forward to it as well. I thank you for coming out on the show today. And any closing remarks? Um, sure. Yeah, actually, um, if I, if I may just, uh, I just want to touch base and I could elaborate on in another show, but, um, once regarding shooting from concealment, like I said, uh, shooting under stress, uh, other things that uh, I hardly recommend is once you do that, you, uh, shoot from what I call awkward positions. So once you shoot under stress, now you shoot from, from weird positions like the lying down, supine, prone, sitting down at an angle, um, incapacitation drills. So you simulate that one of your shooting hands is injured. Uh, shoot, don't shoot. Another thing that you require to remember is that just because you pull out your firearm doesn't always necessarily mean you have to fire. Um, so, so, so it's, it's more of an assessment, a cognitive training. And finally, uh, what I call situational awareness, that's we take all of what you learn and do like a force on force training with role players in simulations, uh, or for airsoft. But those are definitely, uh, in my opinion, the hierarchy of training to become the best defensive shooter possible. Well, there's just no way you can listen to a qualified firearms instructor and learn it all in just one setting and absolutely you're absolutely right on point you've got to progress your training similar as the example you gave martial arts training same thing you mm-hmm. a white belt you work your way right you try to achieve black belt or whatever color coordinated system there is in that martial art and you're absolutely right you right. got to grow as a person you got to grow you yes. get better and better and better so excellent absolutely point. I really appreciate you being on the show today. And like I said, we will plan another, a couple more shows in immediate. And Wonderful. And uh, I look forward to it. I look forward to it too, Al. Thank you so much for having me. It was a fantastic time. And, and I thank you so much for having me. And thank you for being on our show. Well, I told you that we had the right guy when we brought him on. Um, extensive background. And again, this was an introduction podcast, and we'll be having some others in the future where we can break it down. And for the beginner, the intermediate, and the advanced, and, you know, if, if there are other people out there, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that have got the operational look we we have uh, by the way we have a on leatherneck7.com we got a show coming up about the operator where there was one in las vegas this uh buffoon and i'll leave it for leatherneck7 to announce who uh wonder woman is but this buffoon has 24 million subscribers to his Instagram. And this little girl doesn't know anything. But he's got the operator look. Muscles, 5'11 gear, 
the beard. Oh, he's looking. He's looking the part. It's the same thing as our liberal friends over in Hollywood. You know, they play these tough roles in movies, and they're the operator. They can work any weapon. They, you know, knock out 40, 50 guys. And then you see these bleeding liberals talking about gun control and peace to the world and let's all smoke a freaking joint. And they're actors. Actors. It's another word for saying phony. That's all it is. But people believe uh, the movie they see, that's all. They look at the guy and they go, oh, that's him, that's him. That's who he really is. No, it's not. Far from it. You know, I'd rather see a movie where the person actually doing the movie is has history. Like some of these Navy SEAL guys, they're out there doing movies. Uh, kudos to them. They've been there, done that, and they, they've got multiple T-shirts. So um, um, those, are, those are the real heroes, the ones that you can't say, well, that's not the way you do it. But anyway, I'm getting off subject again. I... Leathernecks7.com. Uh, uh, we have a, a show coming up in the future. And when my co host comes back, and we're, we're going to run it on uh, his podcast, uh, The Operator. So stay tuned to that. Again, more shows coming up on firearms. Our guest will be back, and we'll talk about that. But let's have the most important aspect of this podcast, I believe, is what's called the conversation you know when we live in a time of evilness and you have to ask yourself why has society been so evil there's a society of hate i hate this guy he hates me i hate them and we want to just tear up the fabric of the country everybody has a grievance some people many people have grievances that didn't even affect them. They're running around with uh, screaming and yelling, carrying on about something that happened hundreds of years ago. And I'm not naive. I'm not stupid or idiotic in any sense to believe that there is no racial issues in America. Of course there are. But we're also a, a land of laws to protect our citizens. And they do a very good job. Just ask any police department. They'll tell you with the Department of Justice, CRIPA, they were almost crippled to death by the Obama administration. They were getting hit left and right with lawsuits for excessive use of force, uh, insufficient policies, insufficient training. Whatever it was, they were just... And you know what? You know what kills me about the CRIPA thing? CRIPA doesn't affect federal law enforcement agencies. Talk about freaking hypocrisy! It's amazing. But anyway, so when we we look at the times that we're in now, we know that they're evil. How important do we need to be focused on the now? Not the future, but the now. I know that the future is going to be worse, not better. These meatheads that are trying to take us out are going to keep on. Not only 
external terrorism, but internal. These communists, Bolsheviks that have risen up in our country trying to tear the fabric away of who we are. The hate Mongols. You know, I'm not an advocate of slavery. I I know it's bad. It was horrible. It was the black eye of our history. But when we start knocking down Confederate generals' statues because we're labeling people, you know how many Southerners we are discriminating against that are fourth, fifth, sixth generation Southerner? It's not right. I can't piss on your parade and you shouldn't be pissing on mine. And we're doing it. We're doing it and we're over and over and over again. Columbus's day on the way. The, the, the freaking bandwagon against the Italians is going to start too. It's, it's just ridiculous already. It's ridiculous. But if we don't grab back the fabric of our country and take it away from these hate mongols that hate the Constitution, hate the diversity, hate the freedoms that exist in this country, then we're going to ruin our, ourselves. So hate has a way of creeping into your inner being, creeping into your heart, and carving its roots there. As a result, you've got to get that hate away. What better way to turn to the Lord himself? You know, love triumphs over hate, triumphs over hate. Evil triumphs over everything in life. And I can't tell you enough. If you haven't had a relationship with Jesus Christ, I urge you to seek one. Go to a Bible-based church. And when I say, because I'll repeat this in many podcasts, that you should find the foundation of a Bible-based church and the scriptures If that church that you're visiting, you want to know if they're Bible-based, what are their views and what are their sermons on the book of Revelations? You know, if their sermons are all about riches and how you can, you know, 50 steps to to be rich on earth and all this other stuff, you might be at the wrong location. But I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to tell you where to go. I'm telling you, you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And repent. Every single day, have that communion and that relationship with God. And we're going to have more shows on El Police Radio that deal with the conversation. Um, If we don't have a guest, I'm going to kind of go in that direction. I'm um, not going to have a lot of people that are going to listen to it because they don't want to hear it. They don't want to be preached to. I, I, I know. I know Father O'Malley over at the church, and I'm good. And I don't need to listen to what you have to say. But remember that God uses many vessels to utter his alert for your salvation. I hope that you've been uplifted, encouraged in podcast number six. I encourage you to come into podcast number seven. And it's been my honor and my privilege to be your host on El Police Radio. I'm out.